The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 186 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host, Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is crowdfunding for family caregiver entrepreneurs. Family caregivers' own experience of family caregiving and its involvements with health and social services prompts them, pulls them, and even pushes them into becoming entrepreneurs. That's because family caregivers' own experiences are that the services they need, or needed, lie outside the scope of medical care and social services, or are limited in availability, or aren't available at all. Family caregivers' own needs lead them to design, develop, and deliver services, first to meet their own needs, next to meet the needs of their immediate contacts and communities, and then as a business. But in building their businesses, they may experience challenges in raising the funding they need, which is why our topic today, crowdfunding for family caregiver entrepreneurs, is so important. To discuss it, our guests are Craig Asino and Amy McFarlane. Now, Craig is the founder and executive director of the National Crowdfunding Association of Canada. This is a newly formed non-profit organization that is Canada's crowdfunding advocate. The association works closely with industry partners, technology platforms, academia, affiliate groups, and business associations to create a strong and vibrant crowdfunding industry and voice across Canada. Craig has 15 years of experience as a marketing strategist, software technologist, and startup entrepreneur in technology, finance, manufacturing, and real estate. He's an exceptional startup incubator with strong business, analytical, and organizational expertise combined with dynamic interpersonal and the leadership qualities. Amy is founder and CEO of Recreational Respite, Inc., which provides services in support of creative living and innovative care. She became dedicated and committed to creating Recreational Respite after she recognized the need in the community for supportive and inclusive environments for people with mental and physical challenges and with developmental diversities. Her passion in the field of healthcare is united with a hands-on, educated, expert background in personal support, healthcare, 
business development, therapeutic recreation, health sciences, and gerontology. And she's actively involved with Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome to the show, Craig and Amy. Thank you. Thank you. Now, first question with Craig. Please tell us more about your career and any experience you or your family have with family caregiving. Craig? Yeah, thanks, Gordon. Uh, first off, I wanted to thank you very much for having us on the show. It's sort of our first um, web broadcast ever, so we're very happy to participate. Um, and, and you're doing a wonderful job with the introductions and everything, so I wanted to get that out of the way. Regarding myself, it's uh, I'll just go into it briefly. I, I did a business degree at Wilfrid Laurier University, which is a university here in Ontario, and I started my career in IT or information technology. Not the most exciting thing back in the day. This is pre-internet days, but it gave me an introduction into the world of sort of organization and systems and data processes and marketing automation. Um, so from there, it sounds, uh, you would think it, it's the start of a boring career, but it became a little more exciting. At that point, I took that experience and spent the next 15 years traveling and working as an expat in over 20 different countries uh, as an IT consultant, marketer, educator, volunteer, startup entrepreneur, and most recently, property developer. So that took me to the likes of uh, Australasia, Europe, the UK, Japan, and uh, several other countries. I'm often actually asked which country is my favorite to which I simply reply all of them because every single country, in my opinion, has something absolutely incredible to, to offer the world. And the, the beautiful thing is that it can be learned by just interacting with the local people and the cultures. So in terms of my experience with family caregiving, or at least my family, I'll, I'll share um, one story. It actually brought me back from my travels um, Whilst on the border in northwestern India, while I was trying to complete a book, I had this vision that I had to call home, and I did, and of course discovered that um, there was a, an issue on the family front where my father uh, was requiring sort of emergency cholesterol issue, uh, very high blood pressure operation, and nobody else at the time in our family was able to dedicate the time. So I naturally jumped on the first plane back home and uh, got brought up to speed and for the next six months worked together with him to, you know, prepare mentally and physically for the operation. And that involved me picking up cooking, for example, and creating delicious three-course meals that he would be willing to eat in effort to lose a tremendous amount of weight, which was a requirement from the surgeons to increase the chance of uh, not having issues with the surgery. So I um, had a, a, a very deep experience and connected with my father as a result. I'm not sure how this qualifies uh, at length with the, the number of other uh, family caregiver stories here, but to me that was uh, a tremendous experience. And I had one additional experience, if there is time, I, I would share with you when I was 12, my grandfather was diagnosed with ALS when he was 73, and during that time, our family collectively made a conscious decision to keep 
keep him at home, keep my grandfather at home to surround him with the love and comfort and sort of dignity that, you know, we thought family could best provide and that he deserved. And That's so was- family caregiving. That really is, Craig. Now, I'd like to ask Amy the same question. Please tell us more about your career and any experience you or your family have with family caregiving. Amy? Sure, sure. So at a really young age, unfortunately, I was uh, I was experiencing firsthand some health issues with my own family members, as well as a number of people that I had gone to school with, some mental health issues, um, some of the friends that I went to school with, and really kind of went through a series of um, tragic events, uh, these young people, while I was in high school. So it goes back pretty far. And uh, later on, did I realize there was a number of things that nobody talked about afterwards and families struggled with in terms of navigating a system for healthcare and getting the right kinds of supports that they needed and myself included watching my great my grandfather who was very close to me suffer through cancer at a very young age um, and watching all the community people coming in and out so I started my career in healthcare right at a personal support worker level working with individuals who had had catastrophic brain injuries and psychogeriatric um um, complexities, concerns, challenges. And it was in that role that I really identified that the family caregivers were the ones that really needed the support just as much as the individuals did. And so, uh, I really delved deeper into how I could help them do some, by doing something that nobody else was doing. And uh, of course, I, yeah. I'm going to stop you there, Amy, because mm. of time pressures, but we'll come back to these things. Craig, mm. I want you to tell us more about the National Crowdfunding Association and why you founded it. Craig? Yeah, the National Crowdfunding Association's uh, newly formed. It's a national nonprofit in Canada. Uh, we launched the organization last October, and since then, the support and traction we've received in this very new and nascent industry has been uh, great and wonderful. We're getting new members and growing all the time. We uh, we tend to work with industry groups and uh, academia, and we're looking to work with more business associations to really create a forum for everybody to come together in one national entity and uh, create a, a vibrant, inclusive, and by inclusive crowdfunding industry, I'm referring to representing all forms of crowdfunding. That would be, you know, largely donations, uh, reward-based crowdfunding, uh, lending crowdfunding, and what's called equity crowdfunding. So really, um, we're networking solutions-based organizations around advocacy, education, support, and leadership to essentially all Canadian crowdfunding communities. Okay. And- now, we're going to come back to that again in the, in the coming s- segment, but let me go to Amy. And just please, would you tell us more about REC, Recreational Respite, and actually why you set it up? Sure. So Recreational Respite is a team of recreation therapists who are specifically educated and skilled in knowing how to identify ways to successfully engage someone who's affected by any form of impairment, physical challenge, or developmental disability. So a quick example is someone who may have uh, moderate to later stages of Alzheimer's who wanders or has challenging behaviors. Family members don't often know how to redirect from those behaviors and make sure that they're engaging in meaningful activity in their life. So they would call on a recreation therapist to help them identify that. This was 
discovered really that there was a need for more meaningful support services out there when I was working in the role in a number of capacities um, because it was really kind of medical model, nursing, black and white, kind of this is the way that the services work and if it doesn't work well, you know, here's kind of your limited options. So recreational respite came to be because I saw a great need for all of these people that could benefit from real uh, quality of life um, moments and advocating for the family members that care for them and empowering them with some of those successful techniques and uh, tactics that we were using in the community. Now, that's, again, the way in which this episode that we're doing now is going to slot into the question of building a business. But um, talking of business, this is the point at which we have to pay the rent, so we have to take a short break, and I'm going to do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Craig Gasano and Amy McFarlane. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Power River. Please stay with us. We will be back. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join your hosts Gary Ray and Ted Griffin Jr. as they show what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. On the weekends, you like to relax with your girlfriends, a cup of tea, your favorite magazine, and some stories and fun. So why not check out Sisters Seriously? It's all that and a whole lot more. Host Kelly Chevalier and her guests will bring you stories and tips designed to encourage women everywhere. Find out more about fashion, interior design, beauty, and entertaining. Sure, we make mistakes like everyone else, but the goal is to find out how to overcome and live the fabulous life for free. Sisters Seriously is live every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Craig Asano and Amy McFarlane. Our topic is crowdfunding for family caregiver entrepreneurs. Let's talk about family caregiver entrepreneurs and crowdfunding. So, Amy... Who are family caregiver entrepreneurs? Are you one? And how do family caregivers fit into the role of entrepreneurs? 
question. Right. So, great question. Family caregiver entrepreneurs, as far as I'm concerned, are those family members that try and find a solution to best support and help their loved ones get through their particular journeys. And and I'm very much one for my own family in a number of capacities, but I'm also a huge advocate for the families that I do work for um, and work with in terms of constantly wanting to make sure that they're empowered with the right tools. And I say empowerment a lot because that's really what this is about for us. It's about giving, not only providing the, the expertise, but sharing the expertise. And we learn a lot from our own family families as well because, let's face it, they're the professional family caregivers, not us. Um, and so family caregivers very much fit into the role because they're the ones that identify where there's a need. You know, they're, they're the voice that we hear in the community that says, we need more of this. We, how can we make this happen? How do we start changing the system to better support our immediate needs? Um, not so much sometimes the long-term needs, which comes in time, but a lot of our families work in crisis mode, right? And it's really important that we can help them get through crisis uh, and, and form more reactive mode um, and proactive, you know, giving them the tools necessary to be successful, and therefore some of them go on to start their own businesses to make sure that that need is filled for others. You are one of those, aren't you? Yes, Amy. yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm constantly, uh, you know, battling and advocating and uh, making sure that our family caregivers have a voice because uh, I know what that feels like to not have a voice. And uh, it's, it's, really, it's really tough. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, Craig, please, will you tell us what crowdfunding is? Who, it, who is it useful for and how is it useful? Craig? Yeah, thanks. Uh, uh, it's a it's a great question. It probably it's a whole show in itself. I'm beginning to realize, <laughs> so I'll, I'll do my best to get into segments. It's crowdfunding by way of definition is is about raising small amounts of capital from the general public, known as your crowd, using the internet and social media. So essentially, we're talking about a website or an online marketplace that connects small businesses or entrepreneurial businesses looking to raise funds for their projects, their products, their businesses, with investors looking to participate in a project that might interest them. And uh, a support of a project might contribute funds to uh, a project or business as minimal as $50. So we're not necessarily talking a lot of money, and that's really what it's about. Lots of small amounts of capital can add up very quickly to benefit or fund a project. These supporters might not only contribute or vote with their dollars, but they also might contribute time and their expertise, or they might provide valuable feedback or social recognition. They might just indicate online that they like your project or they follow your project, which is a good signal to people who are perhaps interested in supporting it. Uh, today, as I mentioned earlier, there, there are at least uh, four models of crowdfunding, but I think if we talk about four briefly, it covers 90% of, of the general crowdfunding models. The first is uh, donation. The second is reward. The third is lending. And the fourth is equity. So donation is really that. It's, it's a donating to a project out of goodwill. There's no real expectation of any sort of anything in return, and and you might receive a tax receipt here in Canada. You have to be a registered charity. Uh, The second type of crowdfunding is is reward. So it's really about investing in a project, and there is some expectation that you will receive some sort of reward, such as a T-shirt 
or uh, a sticker, or the rewards can get very creative at times. And the general principle is that the more you invest, the better or the greater the reward that supporters are expected to receive. Included with the reward-based crowdfunding is this idea of pre-ordering products. So, you know, a buyer or a supporter or an investor might be browsing a website. They, they like a, an innovative product idea that doesn't yet exist, but they they pre-order this product, and the entrepreneurs takes all the, the contributions, and they produce and distribute the product, and eventually mail it or post it out to the, the supporter that pre-ordered it. So that's a reward-based model. The third is, is lending, and that's a little bit um, – it involves peer-to-peer lending or peer-to-business lending. There are a number of websites in the U.S. Uh, it's not currently legal in Canada – However, we're advocating for it. Um, this is really connecting borrowers and lenders at more attractive rates than the bank. And then the fourth crowdfunding model is around equity. It's where you can invest in a company in exchange for shares or part ownership in that company. Again, it's, it's, that is not currently permitted in Canada, but seriously being considered by regulators. And it is legal in several countries in the world, such as Australia, the U.K., and last April, the JOBS Act was passed in the U.S., and the SEC and FINRA, the regulatory bodies in the U.S., are currently creating rules to legalize and enable crowdfunding in the U.S. Right. Now, I'm going to go to Amy now, because that raises the question of what challenges, and particularly I'm asking the question of you, Amy, what questions? challenges have you experienced in raising funding for your healthcare enterprise, Recreational Respite, Inc.? Well, you know, I think what it boils down to for me is the real recognition for psychosocial slash emotional well-being for people who are affected by and or their families specifically um, hasn't thus thus far been really supported. I mean, I think a large portion of the government agencies have allocated funds based on um, sort of the need that's perceived out there in the community as opposed to sort of asking the community agencies, what are you experiencing um, in both the not-for-profit and for-profit world? And I think my challenge being a for-profit is that people think that my services should be free and should be not-for-profit. And I agree, except that the government has yet to sort of recognize um, that. And, you know, I talk at a great deal of caregiver support group meetings and, and with caregivers, and they talk about over and over again, we know how important this is for our overall mental well-being, physical well-being, and being socially connected for someone who's well. So we have to think about how crucial it is for someone who's not well and why it's even more important for them to stay active and contributing members in the community. So... I'm, I do a lot of awareness and education, and that's probably my biggest challenge because that doesn't raise a lot of money. It raises awareness, but it doesn't raise capital for me to provide continuous services and programs that are going to benefit these people. So that's probably the biggest challenge. Um, we're starting to see some more changes. You know, just recently I saw a wonderful blurb on CTV News about alternative therapies that work to help people living with mental health. So the more media exposure to this kind of thing, I find the more people are accepting that it's actually a, a great form of, of therapy that, uh, that helps their loved ones right. as a whole. Yeah. Craig, what are the ways in which crowdfunding could help family caregiver giver entrepreneurs get funding to develop their enterprises or to cha- 
respond to the kind of challenges that Amy's just been talking about? Yeah, I think um, I'll speak to the challenges that a- Amy's referring to, and I think it's it's entrepreneurs in, in general. There's such a challenge to stand out and represent and advocate for a cause, and it's it's very difficult going against the grain. And, you know, in, in the way the world is operating today, it's not industry against government and very different from academia. It's a very collaborative and open world that we're living in. It's very dynamic in the needs that are required, not just in funding, but in terms of support for the entrepreneurs that are creating projects and advocating on behalf of those that would like to, but find it very difficult to step over into that world of, of entrepreneurialism. It's, it's something to, to applaud. I think the entrepreneurs and family caregivers or, or startups in general are starting to realize and share their resources and education with each other online. This is one of the reasons why crowdfunding is here today, because of the advancements in communications and social media. It really allows the entrepreneurs to get that range and that reach to say, hey, we, we're, we're supporting this cause. We need your support. So really to tap into support from the general public in their communities, otherwise known as their crowd, but in addition, get governments to appreciate and regulate and wake up and support what entrepreneurs need. They, they need the nourishment. They need the education. They need the legitimacy and, of course, the funding to, to take their ideas and, and grow them into a, a sustainable model that's going to benefit everyone, the communities, uh, the, those that are plugged into the communities, and in turn the government because they're empowering the, the communities at the same time. Amy, just to go back to you, you were, I understood you to be saying that you have problems getting the message across that what Recreational Respite is doing is responding to an extremely important need. Now, first of all, just quickly, am I right about that? And if I am right about that, do you see anything in crowdfunding or its methods that might be helpful to you? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly the support of that kind of education uh, is important, but it is it is hard. Like like Craig, you said, it's very much going against the grain because it's not modern medicine. It's not modern or medicine. It's it's going back to sort of the holistic well being of somebody, you know, and and that's hard when we've been uh, we've been governed by a pretty medical model system. Big pharma uh, is has been involved for a number of years, so it's hard to get family members to really sort of think back to the core, right? Um, and so, yeah, that's that. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's true. I think the support of something like crowdfunding is is great. I mean, I think the concept is wonderful, as long as you've got a bunch of people that feel the same way. (laughs) Right. Now, just in 20 seconds, Craig, getting people connected because they feel the same way is part of crowdfunding, is it? Yes, most definitely. Um, The the idea is, is going public with your project and then promoting that, and you're attracting the feedback in a viral, positive way. And people are either going to love it or they're going to hate it or fall in somewhere in the middle. But the, the reality is once you're public, you're out there in that space, you're going to garnish the feedback. And if you're doing the right sort of 
methods of madness to support a crowdfunding campaign, you're going to attract wonderful supporters who, who not only contribute funding, but they're going to become your number one fans. It's, it's something that will allow you as an entrepreneur to tap into fans that are backing you, investing you. They're sharing their resources. They're introducing you to their networks. And that, alongside with the wonderful feedback that they're providing your product, your business idea, they're really contributing to your whole organization and the bottom line as a result. So collectively, it's, uh, it, it's a wonderful opportunity for all entrepreneurs, the, these new crowdfunding and crowdsourcing models. Right, going to stop you there because once again, it's the tyranny of time. We have to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guests are Craig Oseno and Amy McFarlane. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you a single parent trying to create the balance between home life and work life? You may be running a successful business, But how are your relationships with your family and children? If you're one of the thousands of people trying to juggle it all, tune in to Straight Up with Chris, real talk on business and parenthood, hosted by Chris Efesiu. Chris is the portrait of the success story. Coming to the U.S. with no language skills, founding and growing several businesses while raising his daughter from age 7 to adulthood as a single dad. Listen every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Craig Aseno and Amy McFarlane. Our topic is crowdfunding for family caregiver entrepreneurs. Let's talk about questions and cautions for entrepreneurial family caregivers and crowdfunding. So, Craig, first, what are the questions that entrepreneurial family caregivers should ask you about crowdfunding for their enterprises? Yeah, I, th- I think if they're, if they're working with crowdfunding consultants or financial service providers, they should be preparing at a minimum uh, a number of of key answering a number of key questions that's going to maximize their chance of a successful crowdfunding raise. 
Um, and they're, they're very similar to any sort of questions uh, that would be asked of a successful business. So the very first question off the top would be, do you have a viable business or project idea that you believe will be supported in a crowdfunding environment? Is, is it, what is the problem that you're trying to solve and, and what is the value that you're bringing to your customers or potential backers that are going to be supporting you? So how is it unique and are there a lot of other businesses or organizations, not-for-profit or for-profit, operating in the space? And then it, there are some questions around the financial model. In order to successfully raise funding, your financial model will be, under, will be scrutinized, essentially. They want to make sure that your business is sustainable. So they'll look at the revenues and the revenue streams and the cost structures. Craig, I'm just going to stop you there because I want to just turn it for the second bit of your question. I want to turn it around. What are the questions that the entrepreneurial family caregivers should ask you about crowdfunding? Well, we're we're, as, as a national association, I think they're going to ask us, who we represent and advocate for all of our members, where are the crowdfunding portals that we should be engaged with? So in, in Canada here, we've done a poll and we've identified 45 crowdfunding portals. Now, these portals are not just all general Kickstarters or Rocket Hubs. There's a lot of niche-orientated portals. So they need to really have to ask us and ask themselves, should they be conducting their crowdfund raise on a general portal or a niche portal? And I'll give you some examples of a niche portal in, in Canada here, there's um, a niche portal for educational scholarships that, uh, you know, you can fund the, schol- the, the education of, of a child that doesn't have the funding that desperately needs it. There's a niche portal around backing and supporting athletes, athletes that might be prodigies that otherwise, if they didn't get the funding, couldn't develop their skills, couldn't get hire a coach, couldn't go to where to get a proper trainer to go to the meet to compete. And so these niche portals, I think, in, in the world of family caregivers, there, there is an opportunity, in fact, to create a, a portal specific to family caregiving. That would Got support- it. Yeah, I'm d- sorry to stop you, but it's always the tyranny of time. Uh, Amy, I'm just going to ask you the question... What are the questions that the Crowdfunding Association should ask entrepreneurial family caregivers who are thinking of crowdfunding? It's, it's interesting because I think, and I don't know, this, it's kind of a tough question. I think perhaps it's the first question should be, what, what is it that you want to see happen for your loved one? Like what's driving you to create business around what you perceive their needs to be and what is it you're trying to accomplish? Because I think the difference between family caregivers who are entrepreneurs, um, they're really driven by passion, right? They're not necessarily driven by good business smarts at first. I mean, necessarily, right? But they're driven by passion and dedication to make changes and see good, positive things happen. And sometimes that's the best success in any business is passion and drive and dedication. So they need a little bit of guidance um, and certainly some good support to know that that, that uh, what they have is something good and worthy of, of creating into a viable business. I, I guess my question, too, would be, do they have to be sort of a proven business model before they go to National Crowdfunding Association of Canada or not? Okay. And they kind Craig, of come could, to you. Yeah. 
Could you quickly answer that question for Amy? Yeah, sure. I, I think one, we, we have to be careful that, you know, the, the NCFA Canada as a national association, we, we don't, we're not a funding portal. Uh, per se, but we have a number of members in our association that are, so we can help connect entrepreneurs with mm. various funding okay. environments. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. Now, I, I'm going to go on to, because this is the point, these are the questions that are really aimed at bringing out the things that people need to think about. So I'm going to ask you this, Craig, what cautions do you have for entrepreneurial family caregivers considering crowdfunding? What are the cautions? Well, I think that relative to anyone planning or thinking about uh, undertaking a crowdfunding campaign, they have to be ready to accept the stress and the hard work involved. A lot of people think and a lot of companies think that, wow, there's this great new technology and emerging funding model. We can post a video and a project and suddenly raise uh, a lot of money. Um, it, it's it's so much further from the truth. There's an incredible amount of planning involved, and you have to be ready to overcome those challenges and obstacles. You have to reach out to your own networks and for the first time start asking for funding, and your ideas will be exposed to the public, and the public might like them or not, so your ideas will be scrutinized. So you have to be prepared to, to work hard and answer all the calls answer all the emails, promote virally your project and, and your cause through your network. Otherwise, the chances of success aren't so great. And then once you've raised the funds, you really have to ask yourself, ha, are you have the ability to execute on your vision? Is this something that you're ready to do? And a lot of first-time entrepreneurs uh, get cold feet. Perhaps they're 50% through their successful crowdfund fundraise or unsuccessful crowdfund raise. But those that exceed and become wildly successful suddenly are inundated with an enormous amount of responsibility and that is to deliver on what they've promised. So the the other challenge is making sure that your personal and organizational objectives are really in line with your backers and your supporters of your campaign are expecting in terms of funding and activities and, and timelines. Gotcha. So, Very yeah. Now, Amy, I'm going to ask you the same question, but in reverse. What are the cautions that you have for the National Crowdfunding Association regarding entrepreneurism in healthcare, whether it's family caregiver entrepreneurs or government or anybody else? What are the cautions you have? I guess my my hope, I guess, the, in the, the cautions would be that that um, that you could help guide through the necessary techniques needed to be successful in their campaigns because I think a lot of them are driven by emotion, um, uh, possibly, possibly. I'm just, uh, I, I'm speaking for myself also, but being in business myself, I guess it, it's helped sort of guide out of the emotional trenches, the sensitivity around what if it's not accepted and what if the funders don't quite see what it is that they're trying to achieve. Is there something that you can help do around that, if that makes sense, Craig? Like, can you help guide them to be successful is really my question, I guess. Yeah. Craig? Yeah. It, I mean, there's certainly uh, benchmarks out there in terms of a successful raise or not, but it really comes down to the entrepreneur 
looking at their business model, what they're trying to achieve, and identify who their crowd is. Mm-hmm. You know, once you identify your crowd, you, you have to go engage with them and talk to them and elicit feedback and support. And collectively, collaboratively, your business model might pivot, to use a, a startup term. So the, you have to be, entrepreneurs have to be open and ready to pivot and change their model based on the needs of, that, that are dynamic in this marketplace mm-hmm. that are being driven by the crowd. Mm-hmm. Amy, to, to come back to you on that, what, what's your sense of the kind of crowd that you might be after with the kind of services you're, you're providing? Who is the crowd? Well, the crowd is usually the caregiver being the adult child in most cases, but it's also the parent of the special needs child. It's quite a diverse group. You know, we're looking typically at the 40-plus age group, um, uh, which is a huge um, population, of course, as we know with the aging population. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my target, really, is uh, letting them be aware of the services that we provide and how it helps as an alternative and or if nothing else as a resource out there in the community. So are these the same people that you're providing service to, but uh, as a population that's across every part of Canada and the United States or even the world, or is it more local than that? No, I think yeah, I think it's a it's it's pretty uh, pretty standard across the world. I mean, these are this, these are the people that are being affected by caring for aging parents and or children with special needs, and who are trying to find innovative ways to support their loved ones at home um, through other means, right? And uh, yeah, no, it's it's pretty international, absolutely. Mm. Craig, given what Amy's just said, the international the widespread nature of the problem and that aging is going on everywhere all the time and causing headaches for governments. Um, how do you see crowdfunding in the sense that you mean it fitting into that scene? Well, with, with aging population and the government not really having the abilities to or as many resources as we all like to think that the government and industry has, it's really crowdfunding enables entrepreneurs to go out and, and create their own ventures and stake their claim and, and make a difference in a project perhaps that without crowdfunding they'd never be able to, to do. Um, I, I wanted to just cycle back a little bit and try to help provide a little bit more response to Amy's question in terms of best practices. Uh, I think the rewards is an area that we should touch upon. You know, people are motivated by financial rewards, but really with family caregivers, it's more the non-financial rewards. So think about um, the recognition that they might be able to receive for contributing and supporting your community project or acknowledging them in, in newsletters and media promotions or being able to provide them discounted products or services to, to say, webinars or educational deals that your organization might be providing, and, and really get creative with rewards. You have to really think out of a box. What would your crowd like to benefit? What would incentivize them to engage? And really, that's a, a tough nut to crack, but it's, it's a challenging question that the entrepreneurs who are thinking about performing a crowdfunding campaign really have to sit down and flesh it out. And you want to make sure you have a range of rewards being offered, 
right from one dollar to a hundred dollars, two hundred, even a thousand dollars and up, depending on the scope of your campaign. Right now, once again, it's time to take the break, and so we'll do that now. This is uh, Dr. Gordon Natalie, and my guests are Craig Asano and Amy McFarlane. You're listening to. Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Adoption changes a family forever. For the adopters as well as the adoptees, there are many adjustments that need to be made, from lifestyle to financial, and the personal rewards are unlimited. Listen every week for Your Adoption Coach with Kelly Ellison. We will examine in detail such topics as international and domestic adoption. We will talk with adoption professionals and hear stories about real families adopting. If you've been thinking about adoption or recently began the process, you'll want to tune in to be inspired every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Craig Asano and Amy McFarlane. Our topic is how how um, we use crowdfunding um, for the kind of things that really need doing. And what I'm asking both our guests to do is to say, what more do they think needs to be done to promote entrepreneurialism among family caregivers? So, Craig, starting with you, what do you want to do and what do you want to see done to promote entrepreneurialism among family caregivers? Well, we'd like to see a wide range of support for crowdfunding in Canada from all the groups uh, and all the pieces in the puzzle, being industry and government, the, the universities and colleges, and the innovation centers and accelerators that are supporting small business and entrepreneurs. And really, they need to collaborate and come together to, to create and regulate and grow uh, a vibrant funding ecosystem that's going to benefit local entrepreneurs right across the country. The uh, funding and education needs to be provided, I think, by the appropriate organizations. And again, it's a combination of sort of industry leaders and government sponsors 
to advance research and education to enable sort of widespread adoption of these new crowdfunding and crowdsourcing models. And I think it really needs to get to a point in our marketplace where your average investor and entrepreneur needs to feel confident that, yeah, we have a Canadian crowdfunding solution and we, while we can engage and interact internationally and support international projects, that we, in our own backyards, have a vibrant solution that we can support. I think the securities regulators need to review existing laws that prohibit startups today from taking advantage of these new emerging technologies that allow access to funding, fundraising capital markets, while at the same time protecting investors. I think the crowdfunding industry as a whole needs to be very inclusive of all types of projects and industries and not to stifle innovation uh, whatsoever. So without bias or prejudice, including all of the healthcare and family giver projects. At the moment, the creative arts and video games, uh, they're doing great in the crowdfunding space, but I think we can do a lot better as a whole and, and be broad-based. I think I, the public needs to recognize crowdfunding as a viable channel for supporting entrepreneurial caregiver projects. That right. they need to, when they see the emails, they see the social media campaigns, they need to... Uh, engage and enact. They need to create dialogue and support projects either through their wallets or through a like or a follow or, or however they can support a project. Right. Like Amy, same question. I, I'm sorry to do this to you, but time looms as a problem once more. Amy, what do you want to do and see done to promote entrepreneurialism among family caregivers? Yeah, I very much appreciate what you're saying, Craig. I, I think you're right, right down to, you know, I work uh, hard on my own social media presence, with, with which in itself is extremely time-consuming and tedious. But what I, what I would like to see more of is family caregivers banding together with others to either start up their own small businesses and, and take part in things like crowdfunding or sharing their ideas and thoughts with services that they know that are working well for their current needs, so services maybe that they have in place, such as recreational respite services in their homes. They, they appreciate what we're doing. They write us wonderful testimonials, and unfortunately, at the end of the day, it's still, you know, we're still a for-profit organization has to generate our own revenue to make, be, make ourselves successful and reinvest and continue to do what we do for family caregivers. So I'd like to see more collective and collaborative approaches um, for family caregivers and industry partners working together, which I think is, is really what crowdfunding is all about, right? So, um, yeah, I think the inclusive piece is really key, too, as Craig stated. Uh, I have a real hard time with the fact that I'm a for-profit, and most of the times we get shunned out of the opportunities to take part in government grants, which is really difficult. So I love that that's what you said, Craig, because I think that that inclusive piece is, is, is crucial for organizations like my own, uh, being for-profit. But, but, yeah, but for you know, far poorer than not-for-profits. So, so uh, I'd like to see more of that for sure. And family members not being so um, afraid, you know, to take on take on what they think that, that their loved ones need and others like their loved ones need uh, and start businesses that can help address their immediate needs. Craig, what's your message to, to entrepreneurial family caregivers? another big question uh, and a great one. I, I think I'm going to approach it from the entrepreneurial 
um, topic, and, and so it's really targeted at, at entrepreneurs everywhere who are really trying to make the world a, a better place, you know, by solving a problem or two of all the problems and challenges that we have in society. So we spoke about earlier about going against the, the grain or standing out in the crowd, but I think it's, it's essential that we do that. If we don't constantly challenge ourselves and the environments we're in, we're going to be getting in a situation where we're accepting status quo, and people need to realize that they can make a difference despite it seemingly being so the odds against them and it being very difficult. So people can make a difference, you know, if they're ready for the challenge, that they should take the plunge and start acting upon it. It starts from a great idea, and then I think once great ideas are, are shared, they'll be recognized as being great, and, you know, over time they can percolate and grow into something that can make a tremendous impact on society, on their family, on themselves, and... That's, uh, I think, in general, my, my message. And really, on the other side of the coin, to the general public, I'd like to say that, you know, the startups and small businesses need your support. And without your support, the ideas that they're trying to create will never see the light of day. So right. they have to give entrepreneurs the time and, and support and resources as much as possible. Great one. Amy, what's your yeah. message to entrepreneurial <laughs> family caregivers? Well, here's the thing. It's real simple, right? Do one thing and do it well, and it will drive success. And I'm in my fourth year of business, and I firmly believe with 110% retention rate, which means that every client we started with, we still have to this day. And that's a huge testament to doing what we do and doing it well and continuing to have the success and the support of our families and and what we're doing for their loved ones. So I'm not overly interested in getting, you know, really, really big with a lot of a lot of clients. We're just really focused on being able to continue to support the ones that we have and do it really well. And I think that that's the big message out there in the real world is be real and, uh, be, you know, be, if there's a real human side of being an entrepreneur. And unfortunately, I see very little of, being human uh, a lot, and that's real unfortunate. So that's my message is to continue to be real people, very human about your business, and uh, and it'll be successful because people relate to that for sure. Very clear, both of you. Just a comment from me, which is you're calling for change, change that's going to make a difference commercially uh, in terms of healthcare and socially. Uh, but societies, big societies, societies like ours, aren't always um, open to change as quickly as we would wish. So that's one issue. The second issue is that family caregivers already have a very considerable burden. Craig, when you were describing your experience, and Amy, you were describing your experience of family caregiving, you were describing the impact on your lives as individuals. Now, if you're running a business, if you're running a, an organization, even a small one, where you have to deliver the goods, that's a source of stress. And if you add the sources of stress like that to the stress of being a family caregiver, that's a very tough, tough thing to envision but and this is where i take from both of you this urging of family caregivers to get together uh, in groups to support each other to bring in the public to understand that what these entrepreneurs are 
trying to do is something that's of enormous benefit to society, where society itself is stressed. It's feeling the pinch. Money isn't as, well, as available as it used to be. Uh, it's not thrown about to the extent that it used to be. And therefore, things, good things, get squeezed. So the potential of what, Amy, you're talking about, what you're doing, and Craig, what you're talking about and what you're doing, is to be able to step in and keep the system expanding so that it meets the needs because even if the money shrinks the needs aren't going to do that the needs are going to grow so that if you like is my kind of forgive me pep talk to everybody concerned because i think this whole topic is powerfully important so for addressing it in the way that you have done craig and amy thank you very much because you really have i think opened up a discussion which i hope we'll be able to continue and you've shared your experience your insights and your advice in a way that um, is enormously helpful so i want to wish you both every success in everything you're doing i also want to say thank you to our listeners we'd like to hear your comments on this episode and from our listeners i'd like to hear about topics for other um, episodes or if you're interested in being a guest on the show and in our next episode we're going to talk about tools for family caregivers for changing lives of family members with chronic pain so please join us same time same spot on the internet talk to you then Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 